you being known as somebody's son or brother or father is kind of the story of my life. I've uh, rarely been known for being just myself. I'm either my father's son or my brother Steve's brother or uh, John's dad or Andrea's dad. So that's not all bad. I'd like us to look at the first chapter of Revelation this morning. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 20. And believe it or not, it's not a sermon on prophecy. It's a Revelation 1, beginning reading of verse 9. It says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because of God's word and the testimony about Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard a loud voice behind me, like a trumpet saying, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a long robe with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes like fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as, as, as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice was the sound of, was like the sound of cascading water. He had seven stars in his right hand, a sharp double-edged sword came out of his mouth, came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at midnight, midday. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid, I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen, what is and what will take place after this, the secret of the seven stars you saw in my right hand are this. And of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. I'd like to talk about worship this morning of all things. Um, we're having a lot of debate about worship these days. It's nothing new, actually. Back... Um, when I was a, I was a kid, I was once a long time ago, the debate was between hymns and gospel songs and uh, some other things like that. Of course, things have progressed or declined even further. I, I don't know. Uh, and people are debating a lot about worship. But a lot of it boils down to personal uh, preference and comfort zones and what we're used to, or tradition. And uh, by the way, it takes an amazingly short time for something to become a tradition. You, know, you do it once, it's something new. You do it twice, it's something we've done before. And the third time, it becomes tradition. And uh, so it boils down to what we like. I personally uh, I'm not sure where I am on this. I, I do know that I don't like like loud, 
That goes for pipe organs as well as for some contemporary music. And uh, I, I prefer something a little with a few less decibels and those things put out sometimes. But uh, the thing of it is we, we get to the place where we we say, I can't worship in this situation well. Can we or won't we? Can't we or won't we? And we need to find out, and then we need to take account of this. Uh, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we don't find a debate about worshiping, but we do find John worshiping. It says he was on the Isle of Patmos, island of Patmos. My King James will slip in once in a while. Um, and uh, because of, he was a partner in tribulation kingdom and the endurance there are in Christ. Now, Patmos was not an ideal situation, but we find John worshiping there because he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And so we know that he was really worshiping because he was worshiping in spirit and in the Holy Spirit. Some people debate which which way that should go. I think we can take it both ways. And, and so his circumstances were far from ideal. He was far from home. Uh, his new home was in Ephesus. His original home, of course, was uh, Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee. He was, now he was on Patmos, a very small island in the sea between Turkey and Greece. And they name it differently because it's basically the Adriatic Sea, but then there's these little parts that they give other names to. And there he is out, not in nice fresh water like the Sea of Galilee, uh, but in the saltwater sea on a very small island there between what is Turkey today and Greece, Asia Minor and, and Greece in those days. And there wasn't a whole lot there. It's far from a comfortable place. Even modern pictures show a lot of rock and scrub brush and scanty grass and few trees. You know, I grew up in Michigan and one, and I've pastored in Kansas for 10 years. Oh, I sure did miss trees. You know? They'd say go out here to the tree and turn north. <laughs> the tree. And it goes back to when they had just marker trees out there that the people watered so they stay alive. At any rate, uh, there wasn't a whole lot there, and it was not a vacation destination. It may be today because they make vacation destinations out of almost anywhere, but it wasn't then. Some prisoners were sent there to work in mines. There's no indication that John had to work in the mines, but he was pretty old by this time. But he was not there by choice. He was in exile, which in his time meant getting sent, sent to some isolated place and stay there until you die. You know, he weren't expecting to go back home. And this was because of his witness to Jesus Christ as Lord. This was not politically correct. The mission was the emperor, and he decided that he should be called Lord and considered to be God, and everybody ought to say so. They should say, Domitian is Lord, or Caesar is Lord. And he launched an empire-wide persecution of Christians because they wouldn't say that anybody but Jesus was Lord. And, of course, John wouldn't either. And uh, when they got to Ephesus, John refused to call Jesus uh, Caesar Lord just like the other Christians, and they condemned, it, uh, condemned him for it. But to be nice to an old man instead of just killing him on the spot, 
They sent him to Patmos. And, uh, and that's why we find him on Patmos on the Lord's Day. But he's worshiping. Now, the first thing that tells us, I think, is that uh, worship does not depend on circumstances. Uh, John knew that worship didn't depend on a place. He was a Galilean, and even before he began to follow Jesus, he worshiped in a synagogue in Galilee rather than in the temple in Jerusalem. He went to the temple, as was required, three times a year, but most of his worship happened where he lived and worked as a commercial fisherman. Uh, Furthermore, he recorded the conversation between Jesus and the Samaritan woman for us, where Jesus told her, uh, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. An hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. Uh, actually, other translations say seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And he had been worshiping outside of Israel for a number of years now because he had uh, changed his residency uh, from uh, Israel, as we know it today, to uh, Ephesus, which is in Turkey, as we know it today. I don't know how he learned it, but he also knew that he could worship alone. This is not the best. Never should be used for an excuse. You know, I can, I can worship the Lord at home. I was, happened to be out, uh, uh, a few Sundays ago. I had to get a car part, uh, on Sunday morning, and so I went past the golf course on my way to the, uh, auto parts store. Man, they had good attendance at that church. <laughs> and they weren't practicing the six foot rule either. They were all bunched up there, and that parking lot at that golf course was full, folks. Now, I wonder how many of them were saying they were worshiping out there. Uh, some people say that they can, you know. They tell me that my great-grandfather, whom I never met because he died long before I was born, thought he could worship God outdoors. Now, he was a great outdoorsman. He was a hunter, something of a commercial hunter, actually, and uh, liked to do a lot of things outdoors. And he said, I can worship God outdoors um, just as easily as I can or as well as uh, maybe better than they can in church. I don't know what the old boy said. I just heard the story. But the real question is, did he? Or did he just hang out outdoors? And, uh, and uh, that is the question we have to ask. Yes, you can worship God as well at home, do you? You can worship God out enjoying nature, but do you? You could worship God on a golf course, but do you? If you're worshiping God on the golf course, would you be keeping score? I don't know. <laughs> Usually we find we worship best with a group of other believers. If nothing else, it helps keep us more focused and it re- reminds us that we belong to something bigger than ourselves. And we do worship better together. And all, and the Old Testament, uh, Testament made provision for worship together, not necessarily individually. Uh, 
when nobody else was worshiping, then there had to be exceptions. Daniel and his friends in Babylon had to worship on their own. Elijah and others found that they had to worship alone. You know, if a Jezebel's after your after your head, why in your running you have to worship pretty much alone. And uh, so, um, let's not make exceptions to the rule. Or I, let me let me say that again and how I wrote it down. Let's not make exceptions the rule. The rule is we worship better together. But adverse circumstances do not destroy worship. Persecuted Christians in all ages have managed to work out how to worship and often together. And a lot of that has happened in just this past century. Where more people probably have been persecuted than ever. Partly because the population is bigger than ever. But uh, there have been massive persecutions in the last hundred years. And, and we need to remember that things don't have to be perfect to worship. John knew that. And he's out on this uh, uh, sunbathed, windswept island in the Adriatic Sea. And it was the Lord's Day. And he was worshiping. I don't doubt that he was praising. I don't doubt he was praying. I am sure that he was experiencing the presence of Jesus with him because he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. It only took a voice speaking to him and turning around to look to realize that Jesus not only felt very near, he was standing there. And if we're worshiping, he is there, he's present. Worship also reveals the person who we are worshiping. When we worship, God shows up. It's logical. Jesus said he's looking for true worshipers. It's also logical now, after the coming of Christ, that he should show up in the person of Jesus. And we should remember that Jesus is the Son of God, sharing his nature, and he is also God the Son. Jesus, John heard a voice behind him and he turned around to see who was talking to him. Now he's not quite prepared for what he saw. He saw Jesus dressed as uh, in the uh, robes in the manner of priests, sometimes kings dressed that way too. Long robe that went to the ground, uh, sash around the chest. And he looks like the Son of Man, read Messiah. Everything about him is holy and glorious. His eyes are like a fiery flame. Man, you want to look him in the eye? You've all known somebody, haven't you? That when they look you in the eye, you feel like they're looking right straight through you? Hmm? Yeah. Had a school teacher like that. He used it to his advantage. You know, (laughs) when he'd call somebody up to his desk, you know, they were in trouble and when he didn't say anything for a few a few seconds and it seemed like forever it looked like this man was looking right 
straight through you. And he knew what you had been up to if you had been up to something. Uh, so we see someone who can see everything. His voice is like ca- cascading water. Ezekiel talks about that too. He heard it like a voice of many waters when he had his vision. A double-edged sword came from his mouth. And that's a strange image. Uh, try drawing that one sometime. See what you come up with. But then I, I never read it without thinking about Hebrews 4.12. The Word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. And Jesus has a lot to say through John to the elders, to the churches, to us. And so it is not surprising that we see his this sword coming out of his mouth, which I believe represents, of course, his word. And his sun was shining like the midday sun, and John fell at his feet as a dead man. Ezekiel, when he had his vision of God, also fell on the ground like a dead man. I believe Daniel also fell on the ground when he had one of his visions and couldn't get up for a while. You know, we emphasize, rightly so, our personal relationship with Christ. Well, he really is, but let's not bring him down to our level in every respect. You know, he was John's best friend while he was here on earth. John talks a lot about the disciple that Jesus loved. Talking about himself, of course. And and I hope all the disciples thought of themselves that way. But it seems that John was more often on the same page with Jesus. He was one of the inner circle of three disciples. He didn't always get it right. On one occasion, he and James wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy a village of Samaritans. And and, uh, Jesus rebuked him quite badly. He even nicknamed him and his brother James, uh, Sons of Thunder. And uh, and uh, I think he smiled a little bit when he said it. But uh, another time they got their mom to ask Jesus to give them the two top places in the kingdom after Jesus. And um, probably thought that they deserved it, you know. But he was the only disciple that made it to the cross. He was the only disciple that followed Jesus all the way into the, his trial. He was one of the first to see him after the resurrection. He was the first to believe in the resurrection. They're good friends. But what did he do when he saw Jesus in all of his glory? He fell to the ground as a dead man. And so he reveals the person who we are worshiping. We need to see that every once in a while. You know, we need to see that this Jesus isn't just some guy that gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, but he really is God the Son and the Son of God, and he is greater than we can imagine. And we're serving him, and he's the one who is keeping us in his hand if we're following him as we should
as a sheep follows its shepherd. And so, uh, you know, uh, we find out who, who we are worshiping. Worship also, um, changes our focus. We focus on God. We focus on Jesus. God through Jesus is in charge of the churches and John knew that. But he needed to be reminded. Every pastor needs to be reminded sometime that they are not in charge of the church, that Jesus is. And he was reminded, and we see the candlesticks, which we are told represent the churches. And Jesus is standing among the churches. His iris said, like a fiery flame, he knows what's going on. He uses his knowledge positively to care for them, to communicate with them, to correct them, to comfort them, and including that to give them strength, because comfort means with strength, if you go back to its original meaning, to chastise them in some cases, but then he says, remember, I chastise the ones I love. And uh, we're not here to just diss you. We're here to, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to condemn your state, uh, your condition. I'm here to change your condition. So he has uh, the seven angels, messengers of the churches in his hands as well. They're under his power. They're also under his protection. And then he says he is the first and the last, the living one. Now, these are the Father's attributes. But he shares them. And that means he's eternal, and that means he has always existed with the Father. And it means, as I've been saying, that he is God the Son, and they show that he has death under control. And he has the keys of death and Hades. In fact, he has conquered death, and he is alive forever and ever. We need to remember that, don't we? I don't know why I'm saying this. It's not in my notes. It just occurred to me. Dying is not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. I'll let you think about the alternatives. I won't develop a mini-sermon on that, but uh, now let's go on. Worship results in service. John sees Jesus and, and, and he falls at his feet as a dead man. And then he said, first of all, he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. Uh, I guess let's just keep reading. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Therefore, write what you have seen and uh, um, uh, what is what is uh, what is and what will take place after this. The seeker of the seven stars are the um, angels of the seven churches and seven churches lampstands. Seven lampstands are the seven churches. Okay. But he is to write down something. He is to send a message to these churches. Um, 
he couldn't go to those churches, but he could write to them. And, and, and this squares with other scriptures. You know, if you go back and read uh, Romans 12.1, it says, the uh, way many of us read it for years was, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, most modern translations translate that last line, which is your spiritual worship instead of your reasonable service. But, uh, but it can go both ways. And my understanding is that worship is not just what we do in church or alone. Uh, we can do it wherever we are. And our whole lifestyle is to glorify God. He talks about spiritual worship, reasonable service, and then he starts, uh, Paul in Romans 12 starts talking about the kind of persons we ought to be, how we ought to love, and how we ought to be using our spiritual gifts, and how we ought to deal with anger, and another a number of other things in that passage. The spiritual worship is reasonable service also, and it's living out what God has given to us. And so, being in church helps get us ready to do that. But we do what we do every day, and uh, what we do every day should also be worship. I knew a guy who didn't consider himself to be a a very good witness, but he he worked in a place, and uh, he tried to witness to a guy, and the guy just shut him down. And he said he felt the Lord told him to just take his Bible to work. And he had a counter there. He uh, uh, was kind of a, ran a kind of a supply center. He laid his Bible on the counter. He noticed one day when he's back getting some stuff, and this guy was waiting for him, that he picked up the Bible and started reading it. And then after a while, he'd catch him reading it again. And he would catch him reading it again, and it wasn't long before the guy accepted Christ, became a very active in a local church, not the one this man went to, but to another very good church, what he did in everyday life. And people would ask him when he would deliver the, the stuff from the central supply, you're always the same. You're always happy. And then you have the opportunity, of course. It seems to me that Jesus appeared to uh, John to confirm his worship and to show him who he is, but he has an additional purpose in appearing to John. And he has a personal pur- additional purpose when he comes to us in worship. He has a message he wants John to communicate to the messengers of the churches who will pass it on to the churches. All is not well in the churches. In love, he wants them to know that he knows and what to do about the things that are wrong. His purpose is to correct them, not to just uh, uh, chastise them. He, he wants to cleanse them. He wants to bring them back to a right relationship with him so that he can use them. John couldn't go to the churches. His circumstances were not ideal. But he could send a letter to them. And a message coming from him probably would have had a better hearing if he, if it was John sending it rather than someone else. 
So John was in exile, and he was worshiping. And in his worshiping, he may have been wondering what he could do for the Lord. And then the Lord showed him what was to come from his worship. And he wrote the letter. Of course, we have it. Book of Revelation. We don't know, John, how much he was aware of the conditions in the church. Uh, My guess is that John knew a lot of what was going on, but not everything. Sometimes pastors are fooled, but probably not as often as some people think. Uh, uh, Some of you are more obvious. I don't know you that well. I've only been around a couple of years. I've not been your pastor. But uh, some of you are more obvious than you think you are. And it often appeared to me when I was a pastor that uh, some of the people thought if the pastor didn't know about something that was going on, why God wouldn't know about it either. Um, and sometimes I didn't know what was going on, but God did, and, and uh, usually he, he made it obvious in good time. Um, God usually lets the pastor find out enough, soon enough, all, even though we're not even trying to find out sometimes. <laughs> uh, but that is where worship comes in. You know, things don't have to be perfect for us to worship. If we truly worship, Jesus will show up and remind us of who he is and what he can do. And if we truly worship, we'll find out that God has something for us to do. Our everyday spiritual worship or service. The worship will get us on the same page with God. And he may show us something we need to take care of in our lives. We need to just do it. Uh, he may be there to give us a new assignment. It could be one of many things, some of which I couldn't even think of to put on a list. But what's this proper response to worship then? Simply obedience. Obeying God in every way, every day, so that our lifestyle will become an act of worship the way God planned it. <laughs> 